everybody? How we doing? It's a Thursday, and it's episode 42 of the Go Figure podcast, and the time is ready to start. Right, Jillian? All right, so today's headline, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, going to be a good one. How to make a fortune with AI in your business. That is our money topic. We're going to jump right into it. And uh, what else we got going on today, Ty? Yeah, I'm you know I'm I'm excited to talk about the sports and and the sports okay. and the mindset. We're going to kind of merge into one ah. because uh, the there, owner yes. of the Vegas Knights did something pretty remarkable. Really? Uh, right, right when he actually right before he purchased the team or started the team, he he made a few comments, and so we're going to talk about the power oh. of speaking things into existence. Who, who is the owner, by the way? You know what? It's uh, Bill Foley. Okay. Bill Foley. Okay. I almost forgot there. I'm bad with names. Is he one of those old guys with crazy hair? <laughs> He's got the, the white <laughs> swoopy slick back thing. Oh, yeah. so okay. All right. It's, so it's yeah. not like sticking straight up like uh, like Doc Brown of Back to the Future. No. no not, not, not quite like that. Uh, he's, okay. he's more of a Robert Kraft looking hair. Okay. I, I think. Lo- lo- you got to love Robert Kraft. Oh, yeah. got to respect that, oh, man. Yeah. All right, so that's our sports. And then, uh, yeah, the mindset going to be Ed Milet's powerful reticular activating system. You may not have even heard what that word means or what that phrase means, reticular activating system. We're going to unpack that for you guys today. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm going to pay attention and listen to what my wife told me and be, you know, really share a lot more stories, which we, we like facts, right? But we remember stories. So we're going to see if we can share more stories that impact you and help you take these topics home so that you can become a better entrepreneur, a better uh, business owner, a better father, mother, whatever it is you're looking to accomplish within your life and so forth. Welcome to the Go Figure Podcast, created for parents and business owners who want to get their money right. My name's Leo Cannell. As a husband and father of five, I've been fortunate to create two eight-figure businesses in the fintech space. This podcast will share the values, principles, strategies, tools, and tactics that have helped us to build a fintech empire and provide an epic life for our family. Having been a parent and entrepreneur for 20 years, there's a lot I don't know. There's been a lot of failure. The good news is together, we'll find solutions to creating an epic life powered by a business that we love. So let's jump into our money topic, which is how to make a fortune with AI. And when you think about AI, I mean, obviously, you've got uh, chat GPT version 3.5 and now 4. If you're paying, I think it's like 20 bucks a month, you get uh, version 4. And then Google has uh, Bard. And so you've got all this AI. You know, when you think about AI... And there's kind of two different camps out there, right, Ty? There's the camp that's, and, and I even hear this uh, from, you know, some of the folks I follow online, Andy Frisella, 75 hard guy, owner of First Form, and he's like, AI is the worst thing ever. It's going to kill us all. It's going to take everybody's jobs. And so he is 100% against it. And then on the other hand, a guy who he's even had on his show, Alex Hormozzi, is like, no, AI is actually you know, something you need to utilize in your business. And if you utilize it, it's going to make you more productive, more successful. And so you have these two different camps with this, with AI. Where do you sit with this, Ty? I think it's incredible. I, I'm, I'm with, with Alex. I think it's something that you need to learn to utilize and adapt and be open-minded. It's, you see this generation after generation or decade after decade, right? It's, it's people that Ooh, I don't think I want to keep my books yeah. on a software called QuickBooks. That's a little sketchy. I'm going to use a, a paper and a general ledger and this and that versus, you know, the, utilizing the software. And 
understanding, look, the, the government's going to see my numbers anyway. What's the point? I may as well utilize uh, a software that's going to make my life so much easier and eliminate all sorts of mistakes that could be made. You heard the same thing when the internet was starting to blow up. People were so skeptical of, oh, don't jump on the internet. It's going to ruin the world, blah, blah, blah. And now it's something that we use every single day and it's made everyone's lives significantly easier. I think same thing with AI. It's, it's here whether you like it or not. It would be very, very ignorant to sit back and, and just fear it. You've got to learn how to utilize it and, and adapt. I think that's a great point that you're making. Like there's there's two ways that you tackle technology. Either you're afraid of it and you don't utilize it and you get left behind 100% or you jump all into it. And so I remember in the, you know, I started my first business really realistically where I, I was in charge of everything started that in 2005 so that was like 18 years ago and with that business we were one of the first to actually have a website and so we had a, a great looking website and then I remember we were generating like uh, leads and this was back in the mortgage days of 2005 and 6 7 before the recession of 0809 but there were a lot of companies that weren't online they didn't have a website and we were generating really cheap like $15 mortgage leads I think mortgage leads now cost like you know, $100 or more per lead just for contact information. They might be selling that to multiple companies. And we were generating super cheap leads and it was profitable. And that was before most people were doing it. And then on the other, you know, side of the, uh, the of, of issue of technology, as social media came out and Facebook and some of these other social media platforms, I was actually hesitant and didn't jump on that. And that was a mistake. That yep. was a mistake. And, and then... You know, I think maybe in 2015, 16, I started to really jump into social media. And obviously, it's been really key to our business in generating, you know, leads and partners and credibility and content. And if you're not creating content, it's really difficult to set yourself apart from the competition in today's world. And so the first thing we're going to talk about when it comes to making a fortune with AI in your business is how you can use it with content creation. And so interestingly enough, like the last four or five content videos that I've done, I literally would get the topic and instead of me having to go through and research all these different websites and figure out what's the truth, where where is something interesting, I could literally go to ChatGPT and say, hey, tell me all about the biggest banks in the US or tell me about uh, Visa or MasterCard or tell me about uh, credit, the credit bureaus, what's up with these credit bureaus? And I could literally type that out and in seconds have a well-organized you know, piece of content that I could present and do it in my own way and do it non-robotic, but utilize the, the facts and the different uh, pieces of content that, that uh, ChatGPT would put down for me. And it's cut down on my time that I need to create content significantly. And we're getting as many views as we always get, maybe even more with some of these uh, video topics. And ChatGPT and AI is helping to create that content. So that's super important. I know you, you were utilizing it even yesterday, and you've utilized it in our sales process. What are you seeing as AI being powerful and helping us uh, or helping someone build their business? Yeah, it's, interestingly enough, it was just about a week ago. I've used ChatGPT to generate posts on Facebook, like what's a good, mm, strong post like to encourage someone to apply for funding or what's a good, strong post to encourage someone to start managing their finances. And then I realized, you know what? We, we always follow this dream 100 and we've got all these awesome referral partners that are always coming us, to us saying, Ty, how can I get more leads? Or Leo, what, what are some strategies you use? And so I said, you know what? 
why am I just posting this on our Facebook? Let's create an awesome email with three really, really good posts to generate leads. And let's send that to all of our partners and say, hey, here's some different posts that have been proven to work for us. We strongly advise you copy and paste and put it on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and all of your platforms. And if you have more questions or want to learn more about this process, click here to schedule a call. Well, all of a sudden we see a bump in leads and we see a, a boost in, in scheduled calls to help people upgrade and, and build a deeper partnership with us. So that's that's one way that I've recently used AIs, not just for us in our specific business, but to help our partners grow and, and scale their businesses. So it's powerful with content marketing. It's awesome with affiliate marketing. And then, you know, we, we talk about uh, our fintech app, myfigures.com that we're building out. We got the next iteration and we've already got hundreds of users that have really enjoyed, you know, managing all their finances in one place. And so what's interesting, if you're a coder and Actually, I think you're more knowledgeable about coding than I am, but more knowledgeable than both of us is our CTO, Brock. And Brock was talking about how he was able to grab code that could have taken him hours to build out and just ask ChatGPT to prepare the code that he needs for the next segment, whether it's our partner portal for seven figures or the the MyFigures fintech app development. What is What have you heard from him on this? So we were working on a project together yesterday, okay. and, and this literally yeah. just happened because um, our, our CRM developer, he, he can write in a, a language called Deluge, or essentially he understands what's called Deluge. It's unique just to Zoho. So he created this big, long function that essentially runs our internal automated underwriter. The only problem is Zoho kind of handcuffs us to where it's going to take five to six minutes to process. So Brock and I were thinking, well, what if we could take the same function and plug it into a a different thing called make and let make run this function and plug it in in real time? Well, we didn't want to recreate hundreds of lines of code that Kevin spent the last few months creating. So we said, you know what? Let's plug it into GPT-4 ask it to spit it back out in a different format and break it down for us. And we try it and we kind of got it, but it was really off. It it was like, this is kind of helpful. It might save us a few hours, but not a ton. So I said, you know what, Brock, ask the question this way, tweak it a little Mm. bit, ask it to get a little bit more specific and break down the specific rules into sections based on final underwriting decisions. So we got a little bit more detailed with the question And then we even had to follow up with keep going, like provide more of a response. And it got to the point where we literally were able to take what took Kevin months of creating this function. And because of uh, GPT 4.0, ultimately within about an hour, have that converted. And now instead of five to six minutes for an underwriting decision, we'll get it in about 10 seconds. Absolutely. And and so... So the takeaway from there, the value bomb for you guys is you have to learn to ask the right question, right? You you may have asked it to do something in one way and it didn't quite work. And so you have to keep on rephrasing and rearticulating that question. If you do it the right way, then a chat GPT or a Google Bard or an AI, AI system can actually produce the result that you need. And so don't give up just because it's hard or you didn't get it the first time. And that's where this expertise comes in to play. And so for all the other business owners that, you know, they tried it once, the entrepreneur tried it once and, oh, it didn't work or the coder tried it once. Oh, this is bull crap. AI doesn't work. 
wrong. It does. You just have to learn to ask it in a different way to get the result, to get the answer that you need. And it reminds me a lot of that. And I, I've shared this story before, but it's a, it's that movie where the African-American ladies are these genius mathematicians helping to get uh, uh, the first uh, man on the moon in 1969. And it had uh, Taraji P. Henson and and Kevin Costner, what's that movie called? The Hidden Voices or something like that? Or I don't know. I don't whatever that movie was, but basically, um, you know, they were dealing with some discrimination and whatnot. But basically, one of the one of the ladies, I think it was uh, Viola Davis, maybe, or it was one of them, and she basically went through this class to learn how to use this IBM computer, and because she could do it, she got promoted and she got this job where other people didn't because they didn't adapt. And so I, I always tell my kids this, guys, it's not the strongest, it's not the smartest who will win necessarily, but he or she who adapts the quickest to a changing environment, that's the person that's going to win. And that's what it takes to succeed in business. And so if you don't make that adapt, adaptation, you're going to be left behind while the other business owners jump on AI and they're killing it. Yeah. It's, it's and like we were just saying, it don't, Sometimes it, it's really weird, Leo, but sometimes when I'm communicating with ChatGPT, I feel like I'm being annoying. Like, I feel like I'm annoying this person, but you got to keep in mind, like, yeah, it's AI, but it's not a person. They don't care. They're not going to get annoyed. That that doesn't exist. Be that annoying little kid that keeps says keep saying, well, well, why? Well, why? Well, why? Continue asking why. Continue to ask for more until you get your answer because it exists. You're just not asking the question the right way. Exactly. And so then you can start utilizing machine learning and, and all this AI and these tools. And there are tools even to create digital like logos and yep. images. And soon there will be video, there will be voice. And frankly, you know, in the future, you're going to see customer service. Customer service is going to be taken over by AI. And you're going to be on the phone with customer service. You're going to be like, wait, am I talking with AI or am I talking with a person? And if it responds AI, you're probably going to have a sigh of relief because great, because the AI knows everything and has this incredible database to tap into and to get you the answer and a solution quicker and more effectively, maybe than the human counterpart. And so this is what always happens. People get afraid of technology and they have this worst case scenario. And so far from those who are most knowledgeable and expert about uh, AI, the idea of Skynet and Terminator happening and taking over, the, it's not really quite there yet. These are still learning language codes is what they are. And so they aren't quite a singularity yet. Could they become that? Absolutely. Do you and I have the ability and the notoriety and the power to really determine what's going to happen with that? Probably not. But so at the very least, we have to utilize it and we have to adapt with technology. And those that do are going to win. And those who can utilize AI will be seen as valuable. And those that don't will be left behind. Totally agree. All right, mindset topic. Our man, Ed Milet and his powerful reticular activating system. This is an interesting topic, and this guy is a great entrepreneur. He has a, a podcast called The Ed Milet Show, and it has one of those dudes that does the little voiceover. Anyway, so Ed Milet, great guy, great entrepreneur, 
has uh, his own uh, private jet, has the Ed Milet show that he does once a week, and he always has special guests. He'll have like a Tim Tebow on there. He'll have a Tony Robbins on there. So he'll have these cool guests, and he's just, he's a motivational guy. He's, he's got like, I don't know, 30 or 40 very successful businesses. And one of his most recent books, he talks about this reticular activating system. And so he, he asked this question, he's like, think about, actually think about what you think about on a daily basis. Like, what do you think about? You know, do you even think about what you think about? Do you control what's being put into your mind? Or do you sort of go with the flow and mindlessly scroll through your social media and, and whatever goes in your mind? You're really not controlling it, right? And so he breaks down and he sat down with this scientist and he's like, all right, so how many thoughts on average does the average person have flow through their mind on a daily basis. And the scientist is like, it's about 75,000 thoughts that cross our mind. So that's a lot. 75,000, that's a lot of thoughts going through your mind and my mind on a daily basis. But the interesting thing he asked Ty, he's like, what percent of those are like the same thoughts that we had yesterday? And what was the number that they came up with on that? 91. 91%. So like over 90% of our thoughts, they're the same ones we have pretty much on a daily basis. And so what that means is the unique thoughts that cross our mind, there's 9% of them, right? So you, you think about it, you get up, maybe you have a routine, you work out, you take a shower, you eat, you know, you interact with your kids, with your husband, wife, spouse, partner, and then you go to work and you do. And so we have all these things that we mindlessly do that we aren't really thinking. These are basic thoughts, but 9%, we are actually different, unique. And the 9%, that's what determines our future. That's what determines our success. That's what determines our relationships and if we're actually getting better, making progress on a daily basis towards our objectives. Uh, last night, we had a really awesome training, uh, that training Robert did for our oh, company yeah. on Monday. It was on OKRs, which is objectives and key results. And it's this strategy that uh, Andy Grove who was uh, one of the founders and CEO of Intel and uh, built that company up from the ground up to $4 billion. And then when he took over as CEO, took him from $4 billion to almost $200 billion in market capitalization based on these strategies of being paranoid and always um, you know, setting objectives and key results. And so all of that does happen within the 9% of our thoughts that we can control. And so he said, basically, we have this reticular activating system that allows us to filter our thoughts so we aren't using brain power, just like a computer, right? So it's like, all right, I don't have to think. So that's why, guys, you know, you hear that uh, Steve Jobs, when he would get dressed every day, he would wear the same, like, black turtleneck or whatever. And he had, like, 100 black turtlenecks. And then Mark Zuckerberg's like, oh, I'm going to be like that, too. So he had, like, you know, a ton of black hoodies or whatever was what Zuck would do. And so these guys did that so that their brains could filter out and not have to use brain power on, oh, well, what am I going to wear today, right? What am I going to eat today? And so that was some of the things they would do. But the reticular activating system is a system where we can filter things out. But then when we start to look for something, all of a sudden we see it everywhere. So I remember before I bought a Tesla, I never noticed, you know, Teslas out there. But then after I bought one, now all of a sudden, oh, wow. Tesla, 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 they're everywhere, they're everywhere. And it was because my reticular activating system was now filtering out, looking for Teslas. And so our thoughts 
happen the same way. And so when you're, for example, trying to become an expert in the business finance industry, or you're trying to learn about marketing and you learn something new, now all of a sudden you see those things everywhere because you're focused in on them and you're filtering them. And so he talks about a few ways to do this successfully. He's like, be smart with your smartphone. And I know you've done a lot of work with this. What are some of the tactics you've used to be smart with your smartphone so you're intentionally controlling the thoughts that are going to lead you where you actually want to get to? Yeah, I, I mean, the first thing I, I've done recently is I, I completely deleted Facebook and Instagram from my phone for about six weeks. Uh, recently got them back on my phone because I felt like I had broken that habit of sitting down and so, like not even realizing it. I pull out my phone and I'm on Instagram. I'm like, oh, I need to get off Instagram. And 60 seconds later, I'm back on Instagram. I'm like, okay, there's clearly a problem here. So I deleted them. <laughs> um, and I felt like it, it's actually just this weekly. I got them back because I felt like I, I had a, an opinion on relationships and how getting rid of yeah. social media impacts relationships. And I felt like, yes, it did help my relationships. I was reaching out to people I wouldn't have otherwise. But I felt like I was missing out on updates that sadly, like my sisters weren't reaching out to me about things that their kids were doing. And so unfortunately I had to get back. I I got back on social media so I can keep up on my nieces and nephews because they weren't doing what I was and reaching out to me. Um, But I felt like the habit was broken. So I was able to re-download them and and sure enough, I'm, I'm on them way less. They're on my phone again, but I'm using them way less. Um, When I do pull out my phone now, it's typically to read it's to listen to a book. It's to reach out to a, an employee or a family member. Um, it's not just the the brainless scrolling like it was previously. And again, I think the key word that you're teaching us there is intentionality. Like you're being very intentional. You're not just getting on there to mindlessly scroll. Now your intention is to get on there. How's my family doing? How are they doing? How can I comment or add value or like something that they're doing and stay connected with them, with family and friends versus the mindless scrolling? And when you do that, the algorithm will react. The algorithm will put more family in because now you're intentionally doing that. And the algorithm's like, oh, he just wants to see family and friends. Perfect. Great. And that's what you want to do is be very intentional, specific, and then start and end your day with that, uh, that thinking. And if you do it repetitively, that's where you're going to see success in your life. And so if you have, you know, this uh, different, different goals, objectives, you know, thinking about uh, the training Robert did for our community last night on on uh, on objectives and, and key results, really a more effective way of goal setting. And that's what this reticular activating system is about is intentionally filtering out the things that really matter. So if you're trying to build a better family life, you know, what organizations are, are helping you are, are, you know, one of the key things is having family dinner together. They did all this research and studies and found that if you can have family dinner together on a regular basis, you're going to have a way more successful family. And so we don't always get that. We got kids doing sports, football, and soccer, and Kayla's uh, dance. But when we can get together and have family dinner, which we did successfully last night, like that's super effective. And you can ask questions. You can connect with your kids, with your husband, wife, spouse, and that's super important with family. And so then you can get intentional on how can we create a better culture? And we've been talking about that. How can we create a better culture and have more continuity? And when you have a big you know, goal that you're trying to achieve together as a company, which we have that rolling out in the next two weeks here in our company, and there's going to be a, a big, huge trip and a big, huge reward for those that go all in for the next six months at our company, 
that's going to pay huge dividends because it's being intentional, but it's so easy to get just caught up in the day-to-day, and then all of a sudden time passes by, and you're like, oh, shit, we didn't accomplish anything. <laughs> we, we stayed the same, and that's not what you want to do. Yeah, so I'm, I'm curious, Leah, with this, because this whole scroll, what was it called again, the... Reticular activating system. Yeah, I had no, I had never heard. I thought that was something from like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, like this thing <laughs> they had to it. jump through. But uh, it, it's interesting to kind of dive into this more. So, is it a good thing to be at the ninety-one percent of thoughts that cross our mind daily? To are we wanting that number to go up, or is it better to get our minds thinking about something completely different every day? Because I've heard different in my own studies, like take a different drive home every day to get your mind thinking about something that isn't just this brainless, repetitive motion, because that's when your brain can actually grow. You, you need to challenge it like a muscle. So, I mean, based on what Ed Milet's saying, do we want that 91% number to go up or do we want the 9% number to go up? Or is that like the ideal number right there? No, you're absolutely right. We want that 9% number to go up because we're intentionally taking actions and not being mindless. We're intentionally, I'm going to make sure that I, I get my body right and do these things to get my body right. I'm going to make sure my family relationships are getting better, that my kids are progressing, that they're going towards something. It's so easy for kids and technology to get lost. I'm going to be intentional about setting goals and standards and meeting with my employees, with my team, and improving our product, and how can we do better than the competition out there, and what new projects do we need to do, and how can we do our investments better, and how can we... So yeah, it's it's definitely getting out of the stuff that we do mindlessly and focusing in on having more intentionality. If we can boost that, that intentionality stuff from 9% to 15%. Now, sometimes there's going to be some form of repetition where you're doing something similar, but even that's going to be different. Like I've been purposely trying to reach out on LinkedIn more to more partners that we can work with and, and help their their business, whether they're business coaches, accountants, marketing agencies, we can get financing in their hands. And so I'm having to be intentional about jumping on LinkedIn, but each message is different. Each person's story is different. And the approach that I take with each one might be slightly different. And so that's something that I hadn't been doing before, but I can tell you, and you know, boy, it's so easy to get just caught up in the day to day and you mindlessly go through life. And I feel like it's flatlining. If you're ever flatlining in life, you're not making more money, you're not helping more people, you're not making a bigger impact, like it's depressing. And eventually you're going to go down. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing in my life with this, Leo, is it's you've got to be aware. And I am definitely aware of those times where it's like I am just going through the motion. And those are times where the my I feel as though my mental health literally is diminishing it's decreasing i start to feel more anxiety i start to feel more depression i feel like i'm not progressing and one thing for me that's really really helped is listening to books but i've had to change the type of books that i've listened to i listened to these business and self-help books for so long to where i had these predetermined ideas of exactly what every single book was saying they're all saying the same shit over and over to where I would get in and listen to these books and I wasn't even listening because I felt like I already knew exactly what they were going to talk about so I started to get more into books about psychology I started to get more into books about the history of the NFL I started to get into books about 
love and marriage. And, and I felt like it actually reengaged my brain and I was actually listening and developing my own unique thoughts. And so I, I feel like listening to books is a great way to get that 9% up because it gets you thinking about things. Uh, wait for me way more so than listening to the same 12 songs every day in my commute. I even feel that way too about podcasts. I listen to different podcasts and I felt like just recently, like it's, it's a very similar podcast over and over with the same, you know, guys, gals, whoever I'm following at the time. And I felt like it's not really helping me become better. It's not really helping my business. It's not really helping my family. So now I'm going back to really intentionally looking after, you know, different books, exactly what you're saying with different topics and, and learning something new that helps me implement and just totally changing it up because it literally was becoming mindless and they were doing, you know, a great job and trying to make it entertaining and bring value, but it didn't feel like it was really going to improve life. And so I had to change that up. You know what else is interesting, Leo? And I, it's going to be a weird recommendation that I'm going to give fathers or, or parents just in general right now, or someone trying to better their lives. I have learned a lot from watching these children's movies. It's really weird. I have a two-year-old, a two-year-old right now. And the fact that I've watched Moana probably a dozen times in the last 30 days, I'm starting to like catch things. And I, I've started to think about what were they trying, what point were they trying to get across with this scene? What are they trying to teach these young children? And so I'm like dissecting these children's movies and these children's TV episodes. And it's, it's really interesting. And I've, I've learned a lot about, you know, how important it is to continue to dream. And even if they're things like parting the sea in this volcano that comes to life, coming after you, like having the courage to actually stand there and face your greatest fears. Like it's really, really weird, but these children's movies are actually, they're helping me start to dream again. They're helping me start to build an imagination that I felt like for the last five to 10 years was kind of dull. So I think it's important to go watch these children's movies, as, as weird as that sounds. Have you guys watched Bluey yet? Oh, yeah, every episode at least right? a few times. So It's amazing. I don't, I, I, I kind of like, so I, I had a reticular activating system, like filter it out, filter it out, and I came home uh, this one day, and Jill's like, you've got to watch this episode of Bluey. I'm like, what? Why do I have to, why? why? So I sit down, and I watch it, and it's got, you know, mom and dad and, and the two kids, and they're sitting down and they're doing an investigation as to whether dad fluffied. Have you seen that one? Oh, yeah. And so they yeah. go through and, and mom's the judge and jury. And so uh, dad makes his pitch and then the son makes his pitch. And uh, ultimately it's decided that, yes, dad was guilty of a fluffy. <laughs> and then mom's trying to end the meeting soon because she's going to fluffy too. And uh, it was just hilarious, but just great topics there. And there is a lot to learn. I mean, the the level of articulation and sophistication for kids' movies and messages, if you're so really selective, is really amazing. And there is a lot to learn, and, and especially those that are family-focused. Oh, yeah. So. And I, I think it's very important for us as adults to maintain our imaginations and our ability to dream. I think sometimes we get so caught up in the real world and, and you know, dreaming is a bunch of bogus, get to the point. Like, I, I think it is very important that we continue to dream. A hundred percent. Speaking of dreaming, there was a man who had a vision. He had a dream a few years ago, the owner of the Las Vegas Knights. What happened? 
So yeah, he's he's being interviewed right as the the team's getting started. They they're announcing it's going to be the Las Vegas Golden Knights, uh, a new hockey team, an expansion team, the first male pro team in Vegas. I guess the Aces were were already there. The the women's the WNBA team, right? Um, so it, uh, regardless, it was a huge feat to get this professional hockey team here. You know, traditionally expansion teams in pro sports struggle for decades at a oh, time. Yeah. Sometimes they never really get to that point where they're winning championships and and Bill Foley comes out and says within three years we will make the playoffs and year six we're going to win the whole thing well miraculously they actually make the Stanley Cup finals year one and they lose four to one which again the fact they nearly got swept but the fact they were even there goal number one was achieved which everyone was like that's crazy the playoffs in three years not going to happen well even more crazy than that, it's year six this year, and they win the Stanley Cup Finals, just like he predicted before this team was even officially formed. And so it got me thinking, you know, not only was that extremely impressive, extremely gutsy, but is there is speaking things into existence a real thing? Is that something that actually happens? Is there actual science behind that? Or what does that actually mean? Because you always hear speak things into existence and it's like you said the other day. I mean, I can sit here and say, I'm going to work for the next five years and become an NFL quarterback. That's never going to happen. I can say that all I want. So obviously there has to be some level of, what's the word I'm looking for? Feasibility. Feasibility. Something it's got like to be, like, it's gotta be possible. But yeah. obviously he could have come out and said, you know what? We're going to win 500. We're going to go 500. We're going to win half our games. But he had the guts to come out and say, we are going to win it year six. And he actually did it. Well, there's something so powerful about having a vision and letting everybody know this is the vision, and then everybody, oh, well, this is the vision. And if people, and if you can make someone believe that, and have everybody working towards that vision, it's amazing. Have you seen this documentary on Netflix called Arnold about Arnold Schwarzenegger? Not yet. I need to watch it. It is awesome. I don't know why, but I came home one day, and Jill's like, "You got to watch this." And so we we sat down, and we were watching. Arnold, and it was like a three-episode show about his life. And so he's born in Austria, in this little country up high in the mountains. It's cold all the time. And he, for whatever reason, just starts, he has this vision, even as a young boy, that, oh, I'm going to be, instead of, as a teenager, instead of having pictures of girls on the wall in bikinis or whatever, and he has pictures of all these uh, bodybuilders. And his parents are like, oh, how did we go wrong? How did this happen? <laughs> and uh, so every day he's working towards he wants to be a bodybuilder. And he just makes all these different things. And in Little Austria, there's, there's really no bodybuilders. And so then he finds out that there's something going on in Germany. And so he does these little tournaments. He starts to do well. And he's just working out on his own. Then he gets a coach. Then he starts working out in Germany. And then he starts making progress there. And he's just always looking for another mentor, someone to help him. Finally, he connects up and he gets to go to Mr. Universe in London. He makes friends with the guy who actually is in charge of that big tournament, that big event. And one thing leads to another. And then he comes to Miami and he becomes Mr. Universe in Miami. And and then it all leads up to Mr. Olympia and he's Mr. Olympia. And then he has this next vision that no, and this is the mo, this one is probably even more less likely to happen than the bodybuilder. The bodybuilder thing, 
you know, he could work hard. He had special genes and DNA to get really big and really ripped, and he got the right coaches, but he it was still there were a lot of odds stacked against him. But the next one he had was, oh, I'm going to be not just an actor. I'm going to be the leading actor. And he does, does not speak English well in the 1970s. And so people are like, no, and he tries out for all these different parts, and people are like, no, 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 we can't understand a word coming out of your mouth. And then he keeps working at it year after year after year, and he just has this vision, and he brings in all these coaches and trainers and mentors and people, builds relationships. And because he invested in real estate, he didn't he didn't have to be desperate and take any part. Yeah. So he's very selective. And then he finally gets involved in the Terminator series and one thing after another, and all of a sudden in the 1980s, he is the leading actor, the highest paid actor in the country in Hollywood, and you know does really well in the '90s. And then his next big vision is well, he marries Maria Shriver, who's part of the Kennedy clan, and her you know uncle was uh, John F. Kennedy and Robert F. Kennedy. And so then he has this vision: well, I'm going to become the governor of California. And he t- tells people about this, and no one believes him. And then. Like in 2002 or three, like this dude, Gray Davis, was governor, and everyone in California, would have, the things he were doing, they decided they hate him. So they had a recall election. There was two months. And because he had spoken at like some different uh, political you know, events, he, he runs for, for governor. And again, no one believes that he's going to become the governor, and he beats everybody. And there's like 20 people in the field, other actors and other people in California, real politicians, and he beats them all, and then he... Not only is a one, he's a two-term governor. So there's something powerful yeah. about having a vision and working towards it. Well, it, it, here's what's interesting, Leo, because I, I was curious about this. So I, I asked, I, of course, I, I went to chat GPT, and I said, "Is what was the exact question? I, it, it was pretty basic. Is speaking things into existence real? That's literally what I asked. And here's the response. They say, well... While there is no scientific evidence to support the literal notion that speaking things into existence can directly manifest them, there are psychological and practical aspects to consider. Expressing your intentions or goals verbally can help clarify your thoughts, reinforce your focus, and motivate you to take action. By consistently affirming positive statements or goals, you may also cultivate a more optimistic mindset, which can enhance your confidence and resilience. However, it's important to recognize that achieving goals typically requires more than just verbalization. Taking concrete actions, making plans, acquiring relevant skills, and persisting through challenges are essential components of realizing your aspirations. Simply speaking about something without corresponding effort is unlikely to bring about the desired outcome. Mm. So it's very, very interesting response there because... Yes, my my take is yes and no, right? Speaking something into existence alone won't do anything, but it puts it out there and it gives you the initial optimism to set the goals, to set game plans, to work on the skills, to have others hold you accountable. So I I mean for me personally, I was I was trying to think about it in my life. What are some of the things that I've spoken into existence that have been the most impactful? And I was like, okay, sports, I told myself all growing up, I'm going to be my high school starting quarterback, but that it meant a lot, but not really in the long run. For me, I was thinking about it. It's actually my marriage. 
and Marie will tell you this because I think it kind of creeped her out in, in the moment, but I told her at the two-week mark, literally the two-week mark, I told her I loved her, and I told her we were going to get married, and she thought I was wow. absolutely crazy, but I knew. It was one of these things where I, I knew. I knew that it was going to happen, and I started to, to figure out what I, not in like a creepy, manipulative way, but I started to figure out what are the things I need to do to make sure that she feels the same way about me and this actually happens. And that's probably the biggest thing in my life that I spoke into existence at the two-week mark. And eight eight years later now, wow, crazy. Eight years later, we've two married, kids. Yeah. homes, two kids, two dogs, yeah. and it happens. So there, there's definitely a lot of power behind speaking things into existence. You know what I, I liken it to? I, I think it's similar to anything that you do. If you put all the odds in your favor then you've got a really good shot at accomplishing yeah. it. And so it's like when someone's going through the business finance process and they apply, and we know there's going to have to be a couple steps. We might have to get a loan here. We might have to pay down some credit card balances. Your score is going to go 50 to 100 points. And now you're going to actually qualify for that 0% interest uh, card stack that you need to actually get the money for your business and go where you want to go. And if we put enough of the odds in on your side, then you're, and you have a number you need to achieve, then we've got a great shot at getting there. And so it starts with that vision, speaking it into existence, and then all of those daily tasks and key results. Robert talked about this last night. Like you have key result one, two, like these small little wins along the way that get you to that end goal you want to have. And that's how you accomplish things in life. And it's intentional thinking, and it is speaking it into existence and then doing everything on your end to make it happen. So on that note, I'm going to say it right here. The Dolphins are winning the Super Bowl this year. Okay, go figure. the the Jets are canceling minicamp. Thank you for joining us on the Go Figure podcast. If you learned something that will help your business or family, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star. If we added value to your day, then share the show with someone who wants to get their money right and be sure to subscribe to the Seven Figures Funding YouTube channel. If you're a business owner and a parent committed to getting your money right for your family, then check out the MyFigures.com money app with a free 30-day trial to manage your money, track your net worth, and build a profit-first business through our fintech platform. God bless, and we'll see you next time on the Go Figure podcast.